Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. To receive from the Lord. Amen. Amen. I was thinking all day today, uh, just about the goodness of God. I'm going to be transparent for just a second here. You ever had one of those days, and I had it this morning, uh, while I was while I was at work and had to had to uh, texting my wife. And you ever had one of those days where you kind of thought about all the times that you kind of failed God and and uh, missed the mark. I tell people all the time, I said, you know, when you're trying to hit the bullseye, does it matter if you miss it by this much or whether or not if you miss it by this much? You know, to miss the mark is to simply miss the mark. And, and I had to catch myself today because I could just feel the old condemnation and then depression start to set in. And, uh, and I had to remind, I had to remind myself, I don't know if you've ever felt this way before, but I, there's ever so often I get this way that I've just had to remind myself, you know, you are a child of the King. Right. Amen. And, uh, and so thankful for that. Amen. Amen. I want to share with you tonight what I feel like that the Lord has laid on my heart. I have been, uh, I've been, since really, since Saturday when we had the Penile graduation here, um, I've been thinking along these lines. The Lord actually began to deal with me as, I was, as we were sitting up here on the stage concerning some stuff. And I want to share with you this tonight. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Philippians chapter number 1. The book of Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read one verse of Scripture tonight. And hope that the Lord is going to the Lord is going to speak to us. The book of Philippians, chapter number one, and verse number six. The book of Philippians, chapter one, and verse number six says this. Paul the apostle is writing to the Philippian believers. This book is considered the what the book of joy because several times throughout the book of philippians he talks about the joy of the christian he talks about the joy of the believer and he didn't write this in a plush office somewhere he wrote this while he was sitting in a prison cell and so he's talking to the believers about joy And in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, Paul writes in this chapter and he has a very important message to these believers. And listen to what he says. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 says this. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of of Jesus Christ. Let's read that one more time. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it 
until the day of Jesus Christ. And so I want to share with you for a few moments tonight what I feel like that the Lord has been speaking to me all day. You can ask, you can ask my wife, I've been kind of having a little struggle with what I've wanted to call this message, what I've wanted to uh, what I've wanted to call this. And there were some things, there were some ideas, and nothing would just kind of uh, stick. And I want to, I want so I felt like that. I've come to this conclusion. And I want to talk to you on this thought. I want to talk to you about the comma in your story. The comma in your story. Many of us here in this house tonight, the enemy has tried to put a period at the end of your story. He has tried to finalize the work that God has called you, that God has called this church to, that God has called believers everywhere to. But I want to tell you this tonight, where the devil put a period, God has put a comma. Because regardless of what we have gone through, Regardless of what we have had to face, regardless of all the circumstances, the situations that are going on in our church, in our nation, in our lives, the enemy would try to tell us that that, this is the place to put the period at the end and it's over. But God said this is the perfect place to start the next chapter. And I want to tell you tonight, church, this is not the end. It's not the end for you. It's not the end for me. It's not the end for harvest time. It's not the end for the church in general. I hear the Spirit of God say, the best days are still ahead for the church. Somebody give Him praise. And He, which has begun a good work, will perform it. Or complete it. Or carry it out until the day of Jesus Christ. So that's what I want to talk to you tonight about. I want to talk to you about the comma in your story. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you here tonight, Lord God. God, I ask you that you would anoint these lips of clay. That you would anoint the ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church tonight, Lord. Father will never cease to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. The church says amen Amen. and amen. Paul the Apostle begins writing in this. And he says, I'm confident. I have been persuaded. I know something. God has spoken to me. And what we've got to understand is we have to have this same confidence. We have to have the same knowing. We have to have the same understanding that even through everything that we've been going through, through the pandemic, through all of the, quote, social injustices that has been going on in our nation right now, through the political upheaval that is going on. Yeah, I, We were talking just 
uh, just over the weekend after the Penile graduation, and I shared the same sentiments as Pastor Tony when he said that, you know, really we thought that once the churches opened back up, that the churches would be flooded, that people would be happy to get back to church, that people would be would be, be kind of gnawing at the bit, so to speak, to get back into church. But we know this right now. Statistics are showing us that only about 40% of people, after the church doors closed down in our church businesses, about 40% of people actually watched a service online. And so, and some people didn't go, and a lot of those people didn't have not gone back to church since some of the church doors have opened back up. And we may look at everything that is going on in our world, and we may think, my goodness, what is going on in the church? What is going on in my family? What is going on in our nation? What is going on in the in, in our societies today? And we may be looking at the church in a very bleak in a very bleak picture. But Paul the apostle stood up in a prison cell and he says, "Listen, I know that I'm in a prison cell. I know that I'm in a place of captivity. I know I can't come to where you're at." He says, "But listen, I'm confident of of something. I am persuaded of something. I know that God started this. And whatever God decides to start, I know that He is going to finish it. I think that it's important that the church regain its confidence. I think that it is important that the church gets back to the place that we're persuaded of some things. You see, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 38, Paul writes and he says, Listen, I am persuaded. I know something. I know that neither height, nor depth, nor things present, nor things to come, nor principalities, nor angelic beings, nor demons, nor devils of hell can ever separate me from the love of God. He began to write in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. He said, I'm also persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. I think that it's important that the church regains its confidence back instead of us like we we had been talking about over the last several days. Instead of the church uh, going into a corner and balling up into the fetal position, we've got to understand I'm confident about something. God started this and if God started it, I know He's going to finish it. Give Him praise in the house tonight. You see, Jesus began the work and if He begins it, He's going to complete it. And I came to the realization of this several years back. In a time of prayer, we were facing great difficulties in our, in our, in our ministry. It just seemed like the doors and the opportunities were not opening. And I began to pray and I began to seek the Lord. And I said, God, I said, I don't know how I'm going to finish this. I don't know how I'm going to continue in this. And this is just how he talks to me. I don't know how he talks to you, but this is how he talks to me. But he said, excuse me. And I said, I don't know how I'm going to finish this. He said, it doesn't matter whether or not if you can finish it. He said, because you didn't start it. Come on, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I feel good. I feel good on this Wednesday night. You see, he's telling me, he says, you didn't start this. And if you didn't start it, it's not your job to finish it. 
It's your job just to be faithful. It's your job just to be obedient. It's your job just to just to follow my leading and to go with it. So here's what we've got to understand. If Jesus began the work, He begins it, He's going to complete it. Hebrews 12 and verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That means that if I look to Jesus, if I have to look to Jesus, then that means that my eyes are not on COVID-19. If my eyes are on Jesus, my eyes are not on race rights. If my eyes are on Jesus, my eyes are not on whether or not if the Democrats are getting along with the Republicans. If my eyes are on Jesus, I don't look at the economy. If my eyes are on Jesus, I don't look at the church. Because Jesus started this, and I want to remind somebody tonight, just as Pastor Tony preached Sunday morning that upon the rock of Jesus Christ he said I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, here's the thing. In order to look to Jesus you have to look past your circumstances. See, for some of us here tonight Satan thought he had us. You see, for some of us tonight Satan thought he had us destroyed. For some of us tonight, Satan told you this was the end. For some of us, Satan put a period at the end of our story. And we know about stories. Moses wrote about it in the book of Psalms when he said, We spend our lives as a tale that is being told. We spend our days as a story that is unfolded. Paul, the apostle, would come along in the New Testament and say that we are living epistles. We are open and read of all men. But here is the thing. The devil has tried to tell the church, this is the end. You do not have any victory. You do not have any power. You do not have any authority. You don't have any faith. You don't have any hope. You don't have any mercy. You don't have any and you don't have any love. And a lot of us have shrieked back and said, Well, there was a time when God used to move. There was a time when things used to happen. There was a time when, when everything seemed rosy and pleasant. But I've come by tonight to tell somebody this is not the end. This is not the end. I think it is just a good place for us to get up and to move about and to cross over into what God has for us. This is not the end. Amen. Amen. What I found out is that Jesus always has a way. Jesus always has a way of putting a comma where the devil meant to put a period. So let's think about it. Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 16. We read the story of a widow woman that lost her only son. It is the widow in name. It is the picture of a generation being lost. Because if God doesn't do something, a generation is completely and unequivocally lost. And they are having the funeral. They have given up all hope. 
She has lost her son. But while she, my goodness, I feel it. While they are going to the gate and they are passing through the gate, it just so happens that somebody comes through the gate. And, I, and today, as I was thinking about this and I was going over this, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, He says, tell the people that for some of them, there's a battle with inside the gate. Because it's in the gate. It's at the boundaries of the gate where death meets life. It's in the gate where impossibility meets possibility. It's at the gate where hopelessness meets hope. It is in the place where sinfulness meets grace and mercy. And the enemy would try to get you to have you be at the gate and understand that everything is closed. But remember what the scripture says that upon the rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you've got to stand in the middle of the gate and fight the onslaught of hell, my goodness don't give up. Fight the battle in the gate. Yes. Hallelujah. And she, she meets this man, Jesus, at the gate. And listen to what he says. He looks at her and says, don't weep. Can you imagine that? She's lost her son. She's lost everything. She's lost her future. In those days and in those times... With her being a widow, her future is bleak and hopeless. But Jesus looks at her and says, Sis, don't you weep. Don't you cry. I, here's the thing. I think we've got, and listen to what I'm saying, I think we've got too many weepers in the church. Come on. Now I'm not saying that we don't cry because we're heartbroken. I'm not saying that we don't cry because of things hurt. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to weep. There's a time to mourn. There's a time for everything under there's a time for everything under the sun. But there comes a time what this was. This was a weeping that had no hope. This was a weeping that had no peace. This was a weeping that had no security. But Jesus stopped by to where she was at and said, Hey, listen, I know it's dead right now. I know what you're looking at. He says, but you don't have to weep. You see, Jesus had compassion and understanding of the situation. And when Jesus shows up, He always brings us hope. Yes. Yes. And He gave her hope here. He not only said do not weep, but He saw her. And I want to tell somebody tonight, He sees you and He sees me. And he knows exactly where we are at. And so you know what he did? He walked over. The Bible says that it was an open coffin. It was an open casket. And so in that laid her son. And he walked over there. And he spoke to the dead boy as if he were alive. I'm, gonna I'm about to run in this place. He, he spoke to him as though he, even though that he was dead, 
He spoke to him as though he was alive. You see, only God can speak dead things to life. And see, it may look dead to us. It may look dead to us. The facts may be it's a dead situation. The facts may be our churches are not growing. Our facts may be that it, our facts may be nobody wants to come to church. Everybody's comfortable sitting at home eating a bologna sandwich and drinking a Dr. Pepper. It may seem like that we're just comfortable just going through the motions and it may seem like that it is dead. But I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, Son of man, can these bones live? I don't know, but God, you know. And He said, Son of man, prophesy to these bones. And when I got up and I began to speak, I want to tell you, he said, all of a sudden there became a rattling and there became a shaking and bone cut to bone and sinews and sin came upon them. And he said, now you speak to the wind, you speak to the Spirit. And I want to tell you tonight, I'm prophesying to the wind of God, blow on us again. Hallelujah. See, Romans 4 and 17 tells us it's God. I don't have time to teach this because we misquote it a lot of the times and thinks that it applies to us when really it applies to God, not us. But in Romans 4 and verse 17, it is God, the Scripture says, who gives life to dead things and calls those things that do not exist as though they did. It is God that walks in the midst of your circumstances. And my goodness, I'm going to come down here and I'm going to walk. It is God that shows up in the midst of dryness and barrenness and says, I know what it looks like right now, but here is what I'm going to do. Here is what I'm going to say. It is not necessarily about what you think. It is not necessarily about what you think ought to be done. It is not really about your confession. What it is, it's about what I do. And what I'm doing, you say it's dead. But when I step onto the sea, it becomes life. And I'm saying, I'm the devil. Put a period. I'm going to put a comma and bring life to it. Hallelujah. Make it so, Lord. Amen. So he did it there. Where else did he do it? Mark chapter chapter 5 verses 21 through 43 the Bible says that there was a ruler of the synagogue his name was Jairus the Bible says he had a dog that was at the point of death when he heard about this man called Jesus he said I'm going to go and bow down and worship Him because I know that if I, if I bow down and worship Him, He'll come to my house. And the same thing is true. If you'll worship Him, He'll come to your house. Oh, that's good preaching. He said, if I, he said, if I will go and worship Him, He'll come to my house. And He comes to where? Where Jesus is at, it says, you've got to come to my house because my daughter is sick. And you know the story. While they're on their way there, a woman with an issue of blood comes up, presses into the crowd, and touches the hem of his garment. I don't have time to preach all that tonight. 
But in the midst of all that, they come to him and they come to Jairus and say, don't trouble the master anymore because your daughter is dead. Don't trouble him anymore. But here was the thing. Oh my goodness. I'm trying. I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get this out. But it's coming to me about as quick as I can get it. Here's the thing. Enemy doesn't care if you come to church. Right. Enemy doesn't care if you pay your tithe. Right. The enemy doesn't care if you even lift up a hand every now and then. He doesn't care if you cook a meal for the homeless. He doesn't care if you sing in the choir, if you sing on the praise team. He doesn't even care if you, if you preach. Doesn't care about any of that. But what he does care about is when we start troubling the master. And when we start, when we start actually knowing who it is that we have to go to in order to receive some relief to what is troubling us and to what is ailing us. And so a lot of the times the enemy will come to where we're at and say, Pastor Tony, don't trouble the master. Don't trouble Jesus. Right. You just be comfortable where you're at. Oh my God, I don't know why I'm saying Don't trouble him with that heart. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just going to have to deal with it. You know, you're just going to have to put up with it. Church, don't, don't, don't trouble the master with wanting a move of God. You've had your day. You've had your moment. You've had your, you, you've had your day in the sun. And it's good for just a handful every now and then just to come together and sing a few songs and do everything. But don't, don't trouble the master anymore because you know it's there. But I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, as he did to Jarius that day, and he said, don't be afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid, only believe. If I could preach it this way, I would probably have said, you know what, Jarius, I know this looks like the end. I know this looks like the finality. I know that this looks hopeless. I know that this looks like it is the end. But this is not the end. You know why? Because here's the thing, Jerry's. You've invited my presence into your house. You have humbled yourself before me. You've even opened your request unto me and you have total confidence that I can do something about your situation. So if you'll just just let me lead on and if you'll follow me, I'll get everybody else out of the house that doesn't want anything to do with what I'm about to do. And if only if I just got You know what was important about the fact that Jesus kicked everybody out of the house? The Bible says that when he put everybody out of the house, there was five left in the house. You know what's so significant about that? Because it symbolized the five-fold ministry 
that ought to be operating yeah. in every church. I tell you, the five-fold ministry, yeah. you had everyone operating in there. And when the five-fold ministry is operating in the house, I want to tell you miracles will happen. I want to tell you signs and wonders will follow. I want to tell you salvations will happen. I want to tell you sanctification will happen. I want to tell you Holy Ghost baptism will happen. Yes. And he looked and said, little girl, arise. And where the devil Put a period. God put a comma and said, This is not the end of the story. I want to tell you another time when he decided to do it. John chapter 11. John chapter 11 tells the story about how three people that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and a man named Lazarus. And he says, Word gets to him and says, Lazarus. The one that you love is sick. Mm-hmm. And here's the amazing thing. Yeah. And I have to think about this today, Pastor Tony, as you, as you think about your message that you preached Sunday, Sunday morning. Jesus stayed two days where he was at. Yeah. See, if it was me, and knowing how my mentality is, I'd have been quick to jump up and go, we need to go do something now. And we need to fix it. And we need to get it done. And But Jesus wasn't in a hurry. I mean, Jesus, don't you understand what is happening here? Your friend is dying. But he said, no, we're just going to stay here for a couple more days. And then finally he says, all right, let's get up, let's go. And let's go wake him up. And the disciples, they were so spiritual, they said, well, if he's asleep, there's no need. And finally he just had to break it down to him. He says, listen, you got to understand, Lazarus is dead. And it was good for you that I wasn't there. Oh my goodness. You mean in the hopeless situation, it was good that Jesus wasn't there? That's what he said. Because now, we're going to see that he is the resurrection and that he is the life. And he goes and he's walking and Mary and Martha come out to meet him. And they both tell him, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. You ever told him that? God, if you would have just shown up when I asked you to. I'm raising both hands right now. God, if you would have just showed up when I asked you to. Remind me of a woman that gave a prayer request in the church that I was at for 18 years. And said, I, I need God to move in this situation and I needed him to do it yesterday. And I'm like, that's pretty gutsy. For you to say that. But if I have to be honest, I've been that way before. God, I need you to do this, and it really should have been done last week. And that's what they told me. They said, 
He says, didn't I tell you if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. You would see the glory of God. And she tries to get in this theological debate and say, well, you know, I know at the resurrection he's going to live. Didn't know that the resurrection of life was standing right in front standing of him. Standing right there, man. Yeah. And said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And finally he said, take me to him. Well, it's been four days. By now, he stinks. This situation, have you ever looked at God and said, this situation stinks? Yeah. This situation is the pits. This is a hopeless situation. I don't know why you want me to do this, God. I don't know what you're wanting. But I've just heard the Holy Spirit say, but you've got to understand, my ways are not your ways. Neither are my thoughts, uh, not, neither are my thoughts the same as your thoughts. As a matter of fact, my ways and my thoughts are higher than your ways and your thoughts. So why don't you just let me be God? Right. And he says, take me to him. And he commands the stone to be rolled back. And he prays a prayer. And I love what he says. He says, Father, I thank you that you hear me. Right. He says, I know that you always hear me. Because I do those things which are pleasing. I'll have time to preach right there. But he said, but because of the multitude that is here, that's the reason why I'm simply saying all of this. And then he stands back and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Right. And the Bible says that Lazarus comes jumping out, yeah. patting, yeah. hand and foot. Yeah. And he says, loose him and set him free. My goodness. And I hear the Holy Spirit telling the church, come forth. You've been bound in grave clothes long enough. You've been bound up by the things of this world too much. You've been bound up in the, inside the four walls of your church long enough. He says, and I'm calling you out of everything that has you bound, everything that has you oppressed, everything that has you depressed, everything that is keeping you from being what, what I have called you to be. He said, I've done it. I'm not going to let you die in a tomb. I'm not going to let you die on a hillside. I'm not going to let you die in a pandemic. I am calling you out to come forth. Yes. 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 And finally, the Bible says that there was a man named Jesus that when he came into this world, the Bible described him as the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And his ultimate purpose come into this world was to lay down his life for all of mankind. 
My goodness, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm meddle here. I haven't meddled hardly any in the service, but I'm going to meddle right now. God didn't come to give his life on the cross so you could have a new car. God didn't come to give his life on the cross so you could have a fatter bank account. God didn't come and die on the cross so that you could just be happy and wealthy and blessed and everything else. What God came to die on, what God wrapped in the flesh came to die on the cross for is so that you wouldn't have to die and go to hell for your sin. Right, yes. Jesus came and as they tied him to the whipping post they took and they opened his gown up and they tied him to that whipping post and they got out that cat of nine tails and they began to beat him I can imagine Satan. You ever watched The Passion of the Christ? One of the interesting things about that is during all of this, there's glimpses of Satan that is in the shadows somewhere watching all of this that is going on thinking that he has won. But every time they beat him, I can imagine Every time they lay a strike on his back, I can imagine that Jesus says that right there was for cancer. Yeah. That one right there was for diabetes. Come on. That one right there was for heart disease. Come on. That one right there was for Parkinson's. Uh -huh. That one right there was for HIV. Yeah. That one right there was for AIDS. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and every time, my goodness, and when they put that crown of thorns on his head and, 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 and those thorns pierced, into his head and the blood came trickling down as they call, as they made him carry the cross to Golgotha and they laid him on that cross and they put nails in his hands in his feet and as the Roman soldier took the took the spear and driven it into his side and the blood began to flow I can imagine that God himself said that is for the salvation of all mankind and while hell was having a party and saying what was going on we got we have killed the Messiah we have killed the Son of God little did they know that on three days while he was in a borrowed tomb he would come to court us out of there with the keys of death and of hell and he says behold I'm alive forever where God, where the enemy put a period, right. God put a comma. And as a matter of fact, he didn't write just another chapter, but he wrote an entire book. It's called the Acts. Some translations will say it is the Acts of the Apostles. But it's really the acts of the Holy Ghost. I told some people one time, I said, take your Bibles and turn to Acts 29. They get to looking through their Bibles and they can't find Acts 29. And I told people the reason why you can't find Acts 29 is because you are Acts 29. Come on. Yeah, I like it. And I want to tell you. God has begun 
good work. Yeah. And he which has begun a good work is going to perform it, complete it, carry it out until the day of Jesus Christ. What is the day of Jesus Christ? It is that day, one day soon, when a trumpet is going to sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain will be called up together to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But until that day comes, I want to tell Harvest Time Assembly, I want to tell everybody that's watching by Facebook, it is not the end. God is still moving. God is still working. God is still performing miracles. God is still performing healings. God is still performing salvation. It is not the end. And where the enemy tried to put a period, God put a comma. Stand to your feet all over this house. Give Him praise in the house. Hallelujah. Shut up a hole. Lift your hands all over this house tonight. Begin to give Him praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The enemy tonight will try to tell some of you this is the end. But this is not the end. I I get... Tony, if I may say this, I get weary of Christians that have a defeatist mentality that can say, well, if I can just make it in, I'll be okay. Well, bless God, if He can just give me a cabin over in the corner of glory somewhere. No, no, no. <laughs> If I can just squeak home by, if the Lord, if the Lord can just see fit, brother, to sustain me for one more day, like we serve some sort of weak, anemic, don't know if we can, don't know if we will type of God. But my Bible says, He become this. And if he be cut it, he's going to finish it. And he's never been the CEO of a company that's ever went under. There's not a deficit in God's economy. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And one old country preacher said and he owns all the taters under the hills as well. As a matter of fact, Scripture said, He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't even tell you about it. Because I don't need your help. I don't need anything from you. That's the kind of God that I serve. If you're here tonight, and you can say, Preacher, the Lord has told I mean, the, the enemy has tried to tell me on numerous occasions, this is the end. But I believe that tonight would be a good night for where the enemy had tried to put a period. God is going to put a comma and write the rest of the story. If that's you tonight, 
and you can say, that's me. Real quickly, get up out of your seat and come and stand with me in this front. I want us to have a word of corporate prayer before we're dismissed. Is there one that can say this message is for me? Only going to wait just a moment. If it's not, we're going to just wait in just a moment. I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. If not, I'm not going to keep you too long. I want us to pray. And I believe that tonight, God is going to let you know that this is not a good place for it to end. This is the perfect place to keep going and to continue along. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, come before you here tonight, Lord. I praise you. I thank you for what you have done. I praise you for how you have spoken to us, Lord. God, I have felt your help. I have felt your anointing in this house. And Father, tonight I'm asking you to write the rest of our story. God, let us know that you started this. We know, Lord God, that if you didn't start it, it's going to fall by the wayside. Your word says that there's two types of people. Those that build their houses on the sand. Those who build their houses upon the rock. And those that build their houses upon the sand. Their ideas, their ideologies. When the winds come and the storms blow, it'll fall. But those that have built upon the rock. When the storms come and the winds blow, it will not fall. God, help us know that you are the one that writes our story. And Father, we'll never cease to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says amen and amen. Let's give the Lord praise in the house here tonight. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007. Or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless, and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry.